to Cinebabble episode 59. I am your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by man of the people, elected official Clint Jones. Clint, tell the world and all your voting base hello. First off, I just want to thank you for voting for me, mm, yeah. and uh, I really appreciate it. You got us in office. We did it together. I, yeah. It's, it's, it's been a rousing process to watch your, your walk to the top. It's, it's just so exciting. And here's the reason I say that, mm-hmm. because this week we got more messages than any other response to a podcast episode please we've ever don't, gotten. Please don't tell me they were just asking if I was Bill Clinton. No. Because that— No. no. <laughs> are you that I, Bill Clinton? No, I think that controversy is past. Okay. No, these were all people, and that's why I'm calling you man of the people now. Huh. These were all people that were just really, really eager to tell me how much I was wrong <laughs> and how much you were right about Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah? Even, yes, even uh, Levi Jerome, old friend of really? the show— uh, my child's namesake. Uh, even he texted me and uh, and he said, uh, I, th- "I think I gotta, I think I gotta agree with Clint on this one." <laughs> I'm like, man. So, congrats, Clint. You oh, win the win that one. the Cinnababble, whatever this is. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've I've never felt so uh, so piled on. So thanks, everyone. Your, I needed that this week. Your opinion matters too, and not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> okay, I win. <laughs> All right, uh, Clint. What you been watching about? Ken, um, I feel like the past two weeks since we recorded have been in this, maybe not a slump, but just in a mood where like, I don't really, I just want to watch comforting things. So for the Mm. majority of it, I spent just watching through Adventure Time again, (laughs) just because it's like really easy. They're little bite-sized things and I can just... Uh, relax and enjoy that. I mean, to be fair, we've watched a string of really good, but really oh, yeah. dark and heavy films and and series and and some different things like that. So that doesn't quite surprise me. Yeah, and I feel like there's just there's such an overwhelming amount of of things to watch. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just get overwhelmed, and I'm just like, I'm not choosing something new. I'm just gonna go. <laughs> Enjoy this thing that I know I'm going to like for the time being. Good Even though, you know, usually I'm the one who's trying to seek out these crazy things. But if you're going to do it, Adventure Time yeah. is just, oh my goodness. It's, it's just like taking a nice afternoon nap. Mm-hmm. Such a delightful show. But in between my episodes of Adventure Time, mm-hmm. I've I've watched a couple things. I watched, um, actually, I watched this like immediately after one of the movies we're going to talk about. Um, um and it was a, kind of a strange double feature. <laughs> but I watched this documentary series that just came up on Netflix, and it's called Trainwreck, Woodstock 99. Uh, yes, about the the failed reboot of yeah. the, the classic uh, Woodstock mm-hmm, music from festival. Yeah. 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 Did you have you watched this? I haven't watched it. I I want to. Yeah. I remember this happening, you know, in real time at the time on the news and everything. Yeah. I wasn't there, but it was it was one of those just this, <laughs> You were a ringleader at this thing. I think. <laughs> it was burning things. I saw your face all uh, over it. But yeah, just I remember all the the photos of just people covered in mud losing their minds and burning things to the ground. Yeah. With with these kind of just befuddled rock stars in the background wondering what is happening right now. <laughs> Well, some befuddled, some who were uh, initiating some okay. of this. So, uh, but yeah, it was ninety nine, and it, like it was, it, it's strange watching back and realizing this is my generation of people, yeah. and realizing um, what any group of or like any generation of like 
can com- like the amount of mayhem they can like yeah. uh, commit. It's it's crazy to think about. But, it's wild that it was twenty years, more than twenty years ago too. I guess twenty three, twenty four years. Yeah, almost. I know that's crazy. But it's a really fascinating. Um, I think it's pretty well done. I feel like sometimes it almost verges on the edge of kind of exploitation mm-hmm. in, as far as like the um, going and showing the nudity and stuff. Just like I don't have a problem with it, but it's just like are we showing this girl's breasts for uh, to make a point or are we just showing it for titillation? But I feel like most of the time they're making a point about just like – the level of depravity, and not even so, the like just the nudity. Mm-hmm. It's just like how men kind of took advantage of the situation mm-hmm. and the darkness of that, and 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 how really a woman should be able to express themselves like in out in the elements n- naked without having to be um, mm-hmm. kind of fondled and stuff. And it's just like, there's things like that. And I, I went on that a little too long, but. <laughs> well, no, that's, it's interesting because that's not stuff that got any news coverage in the day. In the day, it was just, look at these crazy people losing their minds and destroying things. Yeah. Um, I You know, I don't think the evening news was a place where they could get into how are these people treating each other and and how does it. Right. How does it function when people are already at their lowest? Like, what else are they going to go to and what else are they going to do? Right. And it's wild just thinking, just, um, it was a two-sided thing. It Mm -hmm. wasn't just these people go insane because they have the ability to. It was, they're set up in this position where the people putting on the concert have no regard for them at all. Hmm. They're taking advantage of them uh, financially because, like, everything was overpriced. Mm -hmm. And, like, the tickets were overpriced. The water, like, water was, like, this really, like, scarce commodity at this thing because they were supposed to have fresh running water, but by the end, it is completely diluted with feces and it's horrible. And, like, then the the people are upmarking the water that's clean to, like, $12 a bottle and it, it's just every level. Like, it was horribly planned. There was no security. It was it crazy. It sounds like, in another reality, it's this bizarre social, Nazi-era social yeah, experiment. That's the exact thing I thought the entire time. Because yeah. one thing, it's it, like the original one took out took place in like this beautiful, like, um, meadow serene and, meadow. Yeah. And this is at a military base that, that was decommissioned. Really? Okay. And everybody, and they had tried to do one in 94. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of failed because people got in freely yeah. because they didn't do a really good job with security. And this one, they were making sure they did a really good job with mm-hmm. that to the point where like they're locked in yeah. and they can't get out. And like there are just horrible conditions and huh. they're feeling like they um, are feeling like taking advantage of and they really want to burn it down. And it doesn't help that they have some of the worst acts. Yeah. Like, uh, um, oh, Limp Biscuit is like completely inciting this whole thing. See, now the messages are going to be about <laughs> you this week. If anybody likes Limp Biscuit listening they to this, love, they... <laughs> these people love Limp Biscuit. They've told me. There's not. You're an, in it now, man. There's not an overlap between <laughs> this and that, I hope. Um, <laughs> So yeah, it does feel like a crazy social yeah. experiment, and um, it's it's worth watching. I think I'm I'm really curious to watch it, and especially I reviewed. There was I forget how many discs this this big Warner Brothers set that mm-hmm. came out when I was reviewing at Blu-ray.com, and it was about it was it was all the archival footage, and it was the 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 original Woodstock yeah, yeah. documentary. 
excellent documentary, mm-hmm. but it really captured the snapshot of just people who I, I think it was a farm yeah, that, yeah. that they rented the land on and, mm-hmm. and sort of descend on. And it, I'm sure it was terrible for the farmers, if memory serves. But for the people there, it was very much kind of that peace, love, and uh, you know, hippie time kind of vibe. Uh, oh yeah, to it. especially when they're show, like in this, they're showing footage from that uh, uh, next so they're to contrasting this it. Okay. because it's the original guy who put that on who's doing this. Really? Yeah, and it's he's got this. Okay. Um, I didn't know that this promoter guy who is hor- like by man by the end of this he's a just straight up villain. Okay, and especially when he's talking about um, things that happened with women there, and he's yeah. just like kind of pushing it under the rug and it's just like this guy's disgusting um, okay i'll have to i'll have to check that one out it's on my list so. but just yeah like like we were just saying as a social like kind of almost like it feels like a social experiment yeah. and just watching like this group of people just descend into madness by the end well it's got everything it's got annoying noise it's got heat it's got oh, yeah. lack of basic fundamentals like water there's no shade it's a mess there's no shade yeah it's just like everything you're being deprived of and then you're being like forced like mm-hmm. kind of you know like when at a um a, a um army of war camp when mm-hmm. they're like forcing like horrible like r- loud music at a person to kind of break them yeah. and it, it kind of feels like that <laughs> it almost sounds like mad god the live action adaptation yeah. or something all right yeah. all right okay uh-huh. and another thing i'm, I'm just going to lump these together Do i it. know usually we've been jumping no, back and fine. forth but um they kind of go together but uh kind of on the other like end of the spectrum in a way um, as far as kind of music documentaries. Mm -hmm. I watched this documentary called um, This is Guar. About the the insanely gory uh, black metal uh, well, just like, yeah, this metal whatever punk is, band. Yeah, they're yeah. from, from Rich and, Richmond, Virginia. Oh, okay. And um, I just assumed they were Swedish. No, no, no. They're from Richmond, <laughs> uh, which is cool. I think is even cooler okay. because that's right down the road from us. Yeah. And it's just this nerdy group of art students who um, it starts, I'm just going to do a little recap on it, but they just, they starts off with this one guy who was an art student who wanted to do this horror movie. Mm-hmm. And they had a friend who was in a band and they were like, hey, can I wear your costumes that you're making for your movie <laughs> to do this show? And yeah. they do, and it takes off. And then it just starts, they start making their own characters and they're just like, the amount of level of um, like creativity mm-hmm. and like DIYness that they put into this because it's just like this small art collective, yeah. and they um, are building their own set like costumes and um, writing the music and everything. And it's it just seems really like something that we the plot of an indie comedy. Yeah, because uh, I've I've seen the trailer and I've seen stuff you know from them before, but yeah. it just it looks like something that's not real, right? Um, and so the the fact that it is real and it's a documentary, it just oh uh, that. I don't know. I've been circling that one, too. It looks kind of low-key delightful. It is. It is. And it's really kind of inspiring because it's just like this group of of artists, outsider artists, who are are making this art. And it it is gory and kind of (laughs) and uh, uh, raunchy and but like fun at the same time because it's like a a, um, just like a B-level horror movie come to life with Mm -hmm. a music track that's like the center of it. Um, And it's it's cool. I I was in a band um, a few years ago, or probably ten years ago at this point, and we were at a place, and they were t- and 
Guar had played there the night before, and they were like, "Well, we were cleaning up from Guar," and then like those guys came in behind us, so, so that I was inches away from fame. If 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 it's the band I'm thinking of that you were in, that's that's you could not put on two ends no. of the spectrum. <laughs> to, it was a wild further extremes yeah, than, yeah. than your band and Guar. Yes, <laughs> that's yes, that's kind of great. Yeah, but awesome. it's a, it's to, where's it's, it at? It's on Shutter. Okay. Yeah. So on Amazon and I'll have to check that out. It's All worth right. watching. I um the big thing I watched uh this past week was Netflix's Sandman. Oh. Um I binged all ten episodes. I watched the first two. Probably in three days. What <laughs> what'd you think of the first two episodes? I did not like the show. Really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Y- you continue and I'll give you my two cents. Okay. Yeah. Well now I'm more interested in your two cents because <laughs> so so this this may Go back to what we've talked about before. I am a longtime Sandman fan. Okay. I bought a couple of the original issues when it was towards the end of its run. And that was right around the time when it was it was very popular and they started doing reprints mm-hmm. of the issues. And I remember scooping up issue after issue. And then I got the uh, the collected editions and the graphic novels when they came out. Uh, just last year, I ordered like some omnibus mm-hmm. collection because uh, just Sandman is, is one of those things. It... It's it's kind of my wheelhouse. It's it's weird mythological and supernatural stuff that has just enough hint of real world religions and mythologies that it puts a twist on that I have a blast with it. Um, so I was I was coming at it as a as a comic book fan and f- with a curiosity as to how close of an adaptation it would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so on the one hand, I felt it was a really successful adaptation. On the other hand, as I was watching it. There was a um, an inconsistency to it because I was also thinking about it from, you know, what would a, a non comic book reader yeah. get from this, and I I I picked up on some things that made me wonder if you know adapting essentially a comic, which you know you have an issue that's twenty five pages, you've got X number of panels per page, and only so many words to work with. Yeah, your storytelling and your pacing is very very different. Mm-hmm. And this felt so faithful to those stories in a lot of ways that I, you know, some of the things I noticed but didn't bother me, I wondered how much of that, you know, comes from taking one issue of a comic book and adapting it into a 40, 45-minute episode of of a series. Yeah. Um, I, I would suggest or recommend you just go and watch episode four. Episode four, uh, you can just watch it by itself. Uh, it's when he goes, he has to go to hell to retrieve one of his his tools that have been stolen. And it's it's basically just a um it it culminates in a, a strange battle between him and Lucifer. Mm. Uh, but it's much more of a mental battle than a physical battle. And it's just it was always one of my favorite issues of the comic. It's it's one of my favorite episodes of this series. Hmm. By the end of the series, uh I <laughs> I have no idea if it's actually a good series. Yeah. I just know I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So, all right. That's that's as much as I can get out of myself <laughs> without going to spoiler territory. What 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 didn't work in the first two episodes for you? Um, Other than the fact that this is basically a story where the main character sits in a box for a large chunk of its opening. Yeah, I think that I had a hard time with just because— it's the first episode, mm-hmm. and I, you know nothing about this character. Yeah. And I, I feel like, so I'm just, I'm 
you're not connected to this person in any way. Uh, and I think my problem was the look of the show, for one, kind of felt like adult Harry Potter. <laughs> it, it looks like adult Harry Potter to me. Oh, that's so insulting, but you're kind of right. <laughs> it's just so, because it's the Warner Brothers, it's super glossy. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I, it was something I'll bring up with another one of the movies we're going to talk about that I love the look of the movie and it mm-hmm. kind of just plays against type for the movie. I wish this uh, maybe if it had a little bit more real world grit to it, I would yeah. have enjoyed it. I was thinking about um, Preacher. I mm-hmm. wish it had a bit more like Preacher to it, yeah. and I think that one works well for me because there's so much comedy in it. So it kind of is offsetting some of the. Um, I don't know, like seriousness of the what it's talking about. And this just felt overly serious mm-hmm. to me. And I have a little, I sometimes have a problem with just, I, I'm not a big Neil Gaiman fan mm-hmm. because I don't, um, I don't like when just let's mash a bunch of different mythologies together mm-hmm. and see what happens. Oh that, man. That idea doesn't interest. Peanut butter and jelly for me. But that, I, that idea is, doesn't interest me that much. Just like, oh, what if, Cain and Abel were hanging out with a gargoyle. Cool. Okay. Awesome. And the gargoyle looks like it's straight out of Harry Potter. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. I mean, I only got two episodes in, so I, that's what would stop me. Th- those pieces of it would not get any better yeah. for you. It it very much, you can feel the kind of green screen nature of it. Yeah. Or maybe they use the, uh, what's, what's it called, uh, from Mandalorian sometimes. Yeah. Um, but that's that's where I get the Harry Potter kind of thing because it's it's hard to buy into the stakes and care about what's happening with characters when it feels so um, BFX. Yeah. Um, and Hell feels that way too, but so much of that is just him and Lucifer in conversation. Those moments don't have that, and those are the best moments. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's a a pretty good episode too where it's just someone in a diner. And magic is basically affecting what's happening to the people in that diner. But it's it's almost like a stage play. And there's hardly any effects at all. Mm-hmm. Um, even, you know, the, the stone that he has glows red. But that's probably just a practical flash. Otherwise, I would – I'd have to watch again. But I'd almost say everything in that episode is completely practical. Mm. And in those moments, it works much better. I think when you're dealing with a comic book, because he would mash up – different styles and tones, which you get with like the Cain and Abel thing and the gargoyle and the the dreaming. Yeah. But at the same time, it feels very patched together mm-hmm. um, visually in the show. Whereas when you have one artist drawing all of these characters in their style, I think it blends better mm. in the comic. I was actually surprised because the comic has a, a darker edginess to the yeah. art. Yeah. And this had that much more polished Harry Potter feel. Mm-hmm. And that was the one thing I I didn't feel was a very good uh piece of adaptation. Right. Visually, it didn't remind me of the art style. Yeah. I mean, the characters are there and the hairstyles are there and the look of them is there, mm-hmm. but just overall it had a, a polish to it that you know, if you ever go back and look at the the original Sandman art, it's just it uses a lot of of empty space and just pure black or pure white color mm-hmm. on the frame or uh, or in the, in the panel, and a lot of just kind of um, you know evocative yeah. kind of imagery rather than photorealistic in any mm-hmm. way. So okay, interesting. 
Interesting. Yeah. I, I've t- I've thought about trying again, mm. but I I kind of felt like if it's continuing on in this way, I might not might not be worth it for me. I think you would enjoy. So so it's basically the season like the the first batch of issues is broken up into two main stories and it's actually pretty jarring mm-hmm. because it goes from the main storyline concerning his imprisonment him trying to track down all of his stuff to the second half of the series is a completely different story it's a completely different tone and vibe and and even visually a completely different look um and i thought the second half was was much less effective than the first half but the first half really you know, as as best as it could, grabbed more of that original art and that original darkness. Mm. Whereas you think the first two episodes look like Harry Potter? <laughs> Does it get really Harry? It gets super Harry Potter okay. the last three or four episodes. Yeah, um, lots of dreaming and magical creatures, and um, there's some great stuff in it. There's a not to spoil it for you, but there's a a serial killer convention um, <laughs> that's. It's kind of great. It's super <laughs> dark, and it's all of these uh, kind of fanboy serial killers just getting together uh-huh. uh, to talk about their craft. And they have, you know, little panels, and you can go to the uh, religious extremist panel, or you can go to the, you know, female serial killer empowerment panel. Or it's it's got some stuff like that that's that's fun. But yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't even mean it as an insult to Harry Potter, really, because I think it works. Like that look works for Harry Potter, especially since it's like this mass market, like kid story yeah, kind of. Yeah. That's a darker kid story, and yeah. like that's probably as dark as it could go. But like you're mentioning, it's got serial killers in Sandman and like a convention. Let's go a little darker than Harry Potter looks. Yeah. I don't know. And that's I, I think tonally and, yeah. and in the performances and things it. It's a better balance than it does visually. Visually, yeah. it gets uh, too colorful and cartoony mm. for its own good. But okay. But I didn't like. I, I to end that. I I don't. I couldn't say that I thought it was bad. It was just I kind of felt like this is just not for me. Yeah. Okay. And so I wouldn't sh- like shame anybody for liking it or anything. Okay. Yeah. There's actually uh, episode three and four. There's an episode where he's with his sister, Death. That episode's really good. Mm. Um, and episode four, uh, where he goes to hell, I think is really good. Those were the two best. But I don't know. Worth checking out those two. Mm. But if you if you don't like those two, don't even, <laughs> don't even keep going. All right. Well, today uh, we are reviewing three flicks. We are going to be talking about Nope, which is out in theaters now. We're going to be talking about uh, Prey, which just popped up on Hulu. That's the new entry in the the Predator franchise. And then finally, our Cinetron pick, uh, Prisoners of the Ghost Land, which I refused to tell Clint what my thoughts were last week. I wanted him to go in blind. I have been very anxious to hear what he thought. But <laughs> let's start with Nope. Clint had already seen Nope um, and then uh, was— was I was of, eager. To you, were, you were eager I was, to go again. Yeah. And I was excited to go because you were excited. I have now, uh, not completely intentionally, but because I've taken people back, I've now seen this movie three times oh. <laughs> uh, in short succession. Uh-huh. So, uh, nope, the basic plot, which, you know, I really want to be careful about spoilers here. We need to have a very specific spoiler section okay. for this movie because I, part I, of the fun of this movie yeah. is going in blind. I want to do a spoiler section, though. Oh, yes. Be- yeah. Yes. Yes. 
so Nope, it just tells the story of two siblings who are running a horse ranch in California after their father has passed away, and they discover something wonderful and sinister in the skies above, while the owner of an adjacent theme park tries to profit from the mysterious otherworldly phenomenon. Clint, what was your non-spoiler first impressions of Nope? And maybe when you first came out of the theater, or maybe the second time. Um, well, I, I talked about this for a second last podcast. Um, so I feel like I already gave it away, but if you haven't listened to that one, uh, well, here, I'll, I'll say it again. Um, man, I was so enthusiastic. I, <laughs> I love this movie. Um, I really did. This is definitely on my top for the year. This is my favorite of his films. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it accomplishes so much in such a dark and funny way. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it has the perfect balance of everything that Jordan Peele goes for. And I think it's, his, to me, it's his most successful movie. Um, I, I'm all in on this one. So what did you think? I 100% love this movie. Yeah. Uh, from literally opening shot mm-hmm. to the end credits. Uh, this This is one of those movies that really make me remember what it was like right in that kind of sweet spot age where I had just gotten my license Uh from about 16 to probably 21 or 22, just going to the theater and for the first time experiencing real different inventive Mm -hmm. cinema. That's that's what this felt like. This felt like I was back in 97 discovering something that people had known about for a long time. But for me, this is my, you know, first time with it. Um, and I, I absolutely loved it. It was not at all what I expected yeah. at any point. And I was already looking forward to watching it a second time. Mm-hmm. The second time was was honestly uh, substantially better than the first time. Yeah. And I already loved it the first time. Yeah. And Nothing I really got, think, like, diminished by seeing no, it. Like, no. Not a, not not a not single a, element. No. It it only it was more cohesive. It made more sense. It was funnier. Everything. It was funnier. It had more impact. I still jumped when yeah. I was supposed to jump and laughed when I was supposed to laugh. I, I laughed more actually because mm-hmm. uh, you hear a lot more. There's so much in this where just lines of dialogue mm-hmm. are complete spoilers <laughs> um, in a real wink at the camera kind of way that you don't realize at all your first time through. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is the perfect rewatch movie. Mm-hmm. The third time I saw it, I was even picking up on stuff I hadn't mm. picked up on the second time. Yeah. There's a whole other layer of things there that just little details that suddenly popped into my head. But um I I had a blast. Now, I know this is a pretty divisive film, apparently. Mm. People uh there's a lot of people that are really kind of this was a disappointment and it's a mess and it's not cohesive and it's confusing. If you're in that camp, you know, I get it. I just, I would really, really encourage you to watch it a second time. Yeah. Because the the second time, I think, um, is a completely different experience. And, you know, I happen to love it the first time, so maybe that's easy to say. But I, I really think this is one of those movies that are meant to be watched multiple times. And, and you know, the first time you get that great first experience, that first discovery watch. Mm-hmm. And the second time, it was kind of a richer watch of just seeing how much Jordan Peele was playing yeah. with genre and, yeah. and what he's doing. And the third time, it was just, oh, my goodness, they're they're on a whole other level. Even lines of dialogue or little images or 
or um, you know things like that. They're just they're so baked into every scene. Mm-hmm. No scene is wasted. No shot no. is wasted. No element is wasted. Nothing. Like by the end, there's elements that yeah. you just think are things that are a part of the landscape yeah. or or the setting that are giant plot elements yeah. that you kind of and you're like that was so brilliantly done. Yeah. And uh, man, this took me to like. They're early, like Spielberg. This yeah. made me feel like seeing Close Encounters for the first yeah. time, yeah. like that, like that level of like awe that there's something bigger. It feels bigger than you, yeah. and like the idea of this plan coming together and people mm-hmm. working together towards this goal, like uh, very different people. Very different. It's, it's people. kind of that yeah. ragtag, yeah, Spielberg feeling of people that shouldn't be together, right? Coming together because of the circumstance. Right. Very Stephen King that way too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I just, I, we, we got to go to spoilers here because. Well, so, be, so yeah. Before we do that, though, okay. I, I somebody anybody who says that it's like not cohesive. I can't. I don't understand how you could say that. It's the Gordy and chimpanzee stuff. People were really struggling with understanding what that had to do with Then you definitely need to watch it again. Yes. Yes. By the end of my first viewing, I understood it. I, I got it, but I could also understand, you know, somebody like, okay, you didn't get that part. If you come out of the second time and you don't get what that has and how deep and impactful and meaningful it is to the themes yeah. that are being dealt with, I get that it feels maybe disjointed from the rest of it it's not at all no 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 uh, it's it's really crucial so definitely speaking of that let's giant spoiler warning uh you know the rest of this we're going to we're going to spoil nope like mad i want to start by just saying i absolutely absolutely love a movie about aliens that genuinely makes the aliens feel alien this you know the big reveal halfway through that really just turns you on your head the first time is that this is not a ship. This is a creature. It's an entity, and it's feeding. And and is it actually alien? uh, Or is it some, like, form of just being on Earth, like an animal that has existed in the sky, and we, for centuries, have misinterpreted it as this alien uh, coming to to Earth? Yeah, is it just like any other insect or creature that looks super weird and we can't quite explain, but it just, it hasn't been discovered or, or uh, you know, studied right. at the level and, of, uh, of an animal on the ground. Which is like, <laughs> through time, what people considered magic was yep. actually just science that we have not yep. been able to put a name to yet. Yeah. Uh, so I thought that was just fascinating. Yeah. Like, the discovery of this is an animal is was such an interesting like take on the like alien kind of abduction uh, UFO story. It's so cool. And and that reveal was paired with hands down another one of the best scenes of the year uh, when it when it first approaches the crowd uh, at the amusement park <laughs> and eats them. Yeah, yeah. That whole sequence of watching them through its, I guess you would call it its digestive tract. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That was so disturbing to me and so stomach-turning. And then the idea of this flying thing that as it flies by, you just hear these people (laughs) screaming inside of it. From that moment, clear up until it cuts off their screams, and it's this crazy Stephen King shot of this house in the pouring rain. Yeah. 
that whole sequence is so beautiful and amazing down over that house yeah and stuff fall on the ground and i every time i watch this thing yeah that that whole sequence is is so even the third time i'm sitting there my mouth was hanging open Mm -hmm. because it's just like it's it's so well shot and and crazy to look at and also crazy to know what's happening oh um so i i absolutely love that uh, I, I also really dug the characters. Me too. Um, I loved every character. In yeah, this. yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I love, again, going back to your idea of the Spielberg uh, group coming together yeah. to come up with a plan. It really felt like a natural organic plan. Mm-hmm. The characters come together in a very organic way. Even the most eccentric of them, the cinematographer. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, he just, he functions so well in that, that little group of, of personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and man, I will never stop laughing at TMZ getting eaten by that thing <laughs> I and love flying it. off his bike. <laughs> what happens when a man on an electric bike, it's a force going, going the, the opposite, opposite direction. direction. <laughs> <laughs> ah! I also love like the really kind of hammy, his character as yeah. being so hammy and just so like his, his takes his TMZ like lifestyle is so serious that he's just like so concerned about his cameras. Where's my camera? Where's my camera? He's like, my camera? Yeah, yeah. Why he's, don't you have a camera? <laughs> yeah. He's, it's just like such a caricature. Yeah. Yeah. But man, I really actually really love the social commentary of yeah. this and just yeah. the whole idea of spectacle. Yeah. And I love how he tied that in from the beginning with the, the Gordy stuff and yeah. the idea of how different people um, ex- like experience it and what they do with that and like how it's gone through time back to time and pe- how people have been exploited like the whole story of their grandfather mm-hmm. who's been was exploited and then how like the exploitation like carrying through in these different yeah. events and how people handle it is so interesting and such a, a very uh, like cool thing at the center of such a really fun just like sci-fi story yeah. it's cool yeah. Well, and that's for people who are genuinely confused about the point of the whole Gordy thing. Yeah. It's you've got this kid who grows up to be this amusement park owner. Mm-hmm. And this kid watches people get slaughtered by this animal that he trusted. And he's now realizing this creature is dangerous. And then this this chimpanzee, once it realizes what's going on and calms down, sees the kid and comes over and fist bumps him. Mm-hmm. And so here you got this little kid watching this animal completely obliterate everybody that he worked with, but then spare him. Mm-hmm. And it makes so much sense as to, okay, how that kid grows up and now thinks that this crazy thing in the sky that he knows is a creature that eats things, right? that he thinks he can befriend it. Mm-hmm. And that it's somehow it's it's a very Siegfried and Royd or or like the yeah, uh, yeah. the Grizzly Man documentary mm-hmm. where it's just people get a little too full of themselves in thinking that the animals that they have a relationship with are completely tame, right? Completely ignoring nature. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so that leads to his demise. And that's that whole picture is there to show you one. And, and there's at least three other pictures of of people's relationships to the natural world, to the to animals, to whatever it is. And the idea that different people come away thinking that they can have a level of control over something that's that's not controllable, that's not predictable. Right. And I think it's with his 
character especially is so fascinating how he has that experience so young mm-hmm. and doesn't see it as this thing that it kind of shapes him in the opposite of way that it should shape him. It should traumatize It should traumatize him, but he sees it as a financial, like yeah. later in life that, and even so, like maybe he's he's traumatized by it, but kind of maybe sees it as like, I should be able to get something out of that experience. Yeah. So he's he's further going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. And it's, it's so interesting. And just yeah. how that through line carries is and how people different different people um uh just i don't know kind of do the same thing yeah. it's it's interesting well and even that when they all come together at the end to to get a shot of this thing even then they they dip too far into hubris yeah and mm-hmm. they just think you know the the ultimate game here is just to get a picture of it and scare it away and then they'll they'll drive off into the sunset right and make money off their picture and it's like even they for a moment forget no and that's when i first watched it it confused me so much that was the only time i was confused the first time was why the cinematographer after getting all the shots walks up the hill with his other camera second time it made total sense yeah. he knows that thing's coming back he knows what they just mess with cuz he's the one that's been sitting around watching this old documentary footage of anacondas, you know, killing tigers and all of this. And his life pursuit is to get this yeah. ungettable the impossible shot, the shot. impossible shot. And so he knows this thing's coming yeah. back. He knows that little camouflage tent they have is worthless. And he's at least going to go out shooting in this, you know, golden hour light. Uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to at least go out with his... Uh, you know his his impossible shot, right? And he and he's like in the same trap as the TMZ guy. Yep. He's no better than the TMZ yep. guy. He's yep. just considers himself the artist, and that guy kind of almost knows what he is yeah. in a way yeah. compared to him. Well, and that's the this had already fascinated me when it's from a creature design standpoint. When yeah. it's the creature is something that that we have interpreted as a flying saucer. Mm-hmm. When it starts unfolding and oh, it goes. Yeah. Full biologically crazy. Yeah, it goes uh, like a rival. With this thing. Oh, and it's opening its eye on different sides, and it's got like the the flaring flaps mm-hmm. of aggression and uh, all of these little animalistic qualities. That it's very alien. It looks like nothing you've ever seen, and yet you intuit exactly what this creature is is thinking mm-hmm. and and what's happening there. Right. I loved. Yeah, that was such. That's why, like, it really got me in that, like, Close Encounters, early Mm -hmm. Spielberg, because, man, I feel like so many movies fall short in a way. They they stop escalating. Mm -hmm. And this one just continued to escalate. Conceptually, too. Conceptually and, like, visually, Mm -hmm. giving you something new with every scene. Um, And... That is rarely done and uh, and be successful at it. Not that it just gets totally weird. It like it gets weird, but also continues the story, but it makes sense within the context of of like this being. and it it is it's so uh, I'm, yeah, well, and even the human characters, the way they react 
I, I get that the the title is partially a joke of mm-hmm. what you say in the theater when a character is going to do something <laughs> stupid. You sit there and say, nope. Yep. And that's so frustrating. That's so stupid. Why would you ever do that? The second time I went to see it, I took my friend Kelly with me and he's watching and, and I'm half watching him the whole movie. <laughs> that was just as much fun. And he's reacting exactly like he should. Uh-huh. And when uh, the main character, the main guy, the brother is sitting in the truck and it's over top of him, and he starts to lean his head out. Kelly is just, no, no, why would you do that? Why would you do that? And right on cue, as soon as he gets a, a little glimpse of what's above his truck, he just shuts the door and says, nope. <laughs> and it, I, I say all that to say the characters feel very intelligent. Yeah. Uh, they make decisions that make sense. Mm-hmm. Even when she desperately wants to leave the house mm-hmm. after everything that's just happened— just a few little lines explains that she just needs out of this house. It has broken her brain to the point that she's on the verge of making a less than wise decision mm-hmm. because it's just too overwhelming. Even those moments where they're on the, the 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 edge of making a bad decision, it makes sense. Right, right. And or there's one other person to kind of combat that, like yeah. the, the Daniel Pereira angel character, yeah. like yeah. in that scene where they're in the house and he's kind of pulling her back in, like knocking her into her, her senses. Yeah. So like with the in the group context, they're kind of making up for each other's fears and things. Yeah. Um, but uh, I was just totally impressed by every element of this. I, the element I was talking about, like – <laughs> which could have been just a throwaway thing at, at the um the juniper um the, the Ju- jupiter branch or whatever the, the it was Jupe branch yeah. the giant floating thing oh, the I, giant floating cowboy yep. character you could just have that as like oh it's just a set part dressing. set dressing but to have it as this key element to yep. the finale of the film like he he used every part of the buffalo in this thing yep. <laughs> um one thing I, I didn't know if you noticed, I didn't notice it until my brother pointed it out to me because um, Jordan Peele at one point was going to do Akira. Mm-hmm. Did you catch the bike the, slide? The bike slide? Yeah, I did. Oh, man, that was so yeah, like— just, I, Please give him Akira. Just, <laughs> really? Just, just please. Let, let him do it. Just, it, just it, it, it's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I So my third watch, and maybe you thought of it before, my third watch, I started really early on, and I'm like— I'm watching this thing from the perspective of this creature. And it was so much fun. It just, (laughs) here's this creature. It's milling about. It's eating nice horses. Oh, they put another horse out for me. I'm going to eat that horse. Oh, this one hurts. What did they do to me? What's going on right now? And now, you know, now it's all angry. It's got like a thorn in its paw. Now it rolls up on this guy that's been feeding it nice and friendly, nice and quiet. All of a sudden, he's blaring music, and he's got all kinds of people staring at it. I'm going to eat them all. <laughs> then, <laughs> then it's like, man, that didn't get rid of the thorn in my paw. So then it goes and it gets mad at everybody back at the ranch that it had been really peacefully getting along with prior to this. Up to I, – I could go on scene by scene with this <laughs> – to the end where here it is, that thing that's floating up into the air, that's the ringleader. That, that is the alpha – creature that has been causing all this. It's draped with the same flags as that stupid hard horse. And here it is. And then it's up in its face flaring up, Uh you know, and it's just got that big dopey smile and it's just getting madder and madder and madder. Yeah. Watch it from the perspective (laughs) of that creature. Well, going back to that finale scene, um, 
another element was the the camera like yeah. like yeah. taking it completely back to the their, their supposed grandfather and the the form of the first movie which yeah. was actually still photography um just uh, sequenced together using that and i love how it go by the end like it's almost the whole situation is like I, I interpret it as like actually it wasn't worth it. Like yeah. she like she kind of leaves it there and like sees her brother and she's like got other things at that she's point. She's like thinking that about. that wasn't actually what was important in all this. And I, yeah. I like that little touch. Yeah. And I I really like their relationship. I think yeah. organically through this you get a really good sense of their their um, brother and sister relationship. And that felt very real. Yeah, and and, and the history between them and their father and. Uh, I thought that was accomplished really well without, like, most movies I feel like you would have a large sit-down, like, um, dialogue-driven scene that's hashing all this stuff out. And I feel like it was peppered throughout so organically that um, I I was really impressed by that. Well, one of the emails that we got, or or I think this was an Instagram message, uh, that was not about how you're right about Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, <laughs> came from uh, a guy or maybe a girl named Reagan. Uh, Hi, guys. Really enjoy the show. Feel like you're in my living room chatting away. Always a fun listen. I find myself talking back to both of you, then getting embarrassed that I forgot I was listening to a podcast. Cool. Happy to be in your living room. Uh, that's creepy. Anyway, yeah, that was really creepy. It really was. I wanted to ask a question after you've both watched Jordan Peele's Nope. What is it that makes a good subversive genre film work? And what things cause a poor subversive genre film to miss the target? Um, I mean, I think we've already alluded to the things in this that work. Um, but is, is there something specific there? For me, it's it's kind of the idea of taking a trope and then twisting it. And that's where it can also go wrong. I think if you twist a trope just to twist it or a cliche just to twist it, yeah. it feels manufactured and it feels forced. Mm-hmm. As opposed to... When you have an end result and it feeds into your story and it feeds into your characters and and it's it's kind of uh it feels like it belongs there. Yeah, like I feel like this isn't twisting anything so no. much. It's just looking at something that we're very familiar with yeah. from a different angle. Yeah. Like the idea of a UFO, let's let's look at that from a different angle that we're not being invaded, yeah. that it's actually some creature that's just been living among us that's that's yeah i don't feel like that's subverting the whole thing it's just like let's look at it a different like look at it in a different way let's think about this in a different way yeah i I think there's a big difference between a reveal and a twist yeah and Shyamalan's a perfect example of that because early you know when you go back to the sixth sense Mm -hmm. that i i don't consider that some giant plot twist it's a reveal that right. the way you are watching this is not what's been happening and that's what lends itself to rewatch mm-hmm. and i think the best twists or the best movie twists are are just that they late in the game but they reveal something you were not expecting and it changes the way you think about it mm-hmm. that even if you go 2 3 movies later with Shyamalan's work it becomes about the twist. Mm-hmm. And it becomes almost a thing where it's, ha-ha, I tricked you. Right. Instead of, oh, look what you didn't see, it becomes this, this subterfuge of, let me cover up what I don't want you to see until the moment I need you to feel surprised. Right. And I think what, I, like, what I'm trying to say as far as like, sh- like looking at it from a different angle, this never has that moment where it flips. Yeah. 
it, it is just a subtle realization throughout yeah. from the characters in you that the thing we're looking at is not what we what we thought. Yeah. And it's never like it never makes it feel like you're being tricked. And I, I that that can be very kind of grating to me when it does that. Well, and especially the second time I watched it, I realized how early in his encounters with this creature, he's already picking up on the fact that this is not a ship full of aliens, mm -hmm. that this is something else. Yeah, he mentions it pretty earlier, yep. early, and then he confirms it at, at one point. Yep. And he, um, yeah. And I think that's the point of the, because otherwise you would just think, A, oh, how convenient that these three kids dressed as aliens come up to his farm. That's not what that scene's about. No. It's having fun with you because it makes you jump right. and it's genuinely creepy. Yeah. And then it's a cheap relief moment. Mm -hmm. But that's not what it's accomplishing. What it's accomplishing is confirming to him just what his building theory is there. Right. And and the idea of little men running around, yeah, that's that's child's play. That's just a bunch of kids in costumes. And it makes him feel like maybe he's not going crazy. Yeah. That that maybe there's something else going on that or like somebody else has seen this thing and had a similar eye like thought about it. Yeah. Um like even that even though they're wrong in that way that it's it is filled with little men. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to think of a movie, like a specific example of one where I feel like it's just subverting it in, in, in not a great way. But I, it's, I'm having a hard time off the top of my head. I think it's because those are so forgettable. And yeah. honestly, there's so many of them. It almost feels like a lot of scripts, especially six, since The Sixth Sense, mm -hmm. have been written to build to a twist. Yeah. And it's almost like the twist is the thing they want because the lesson they learned from, and I think even Shyamalan learned from The Sixth Sense popularity uh, and kind of iconic status is, oh, the twist is what made that a great movie. Right. The twist is not what made that a great mm -hmm. movie. It was the type of twist and that now I can watch this movie a second time and see it the whole time. Right, right. As opposed to something like The Village. Okay, the twist in The Village, sorry to, you know, spoil it for anybody, but... This is oh, a spoiler we're, section, we're, so... We're living in modern times. Yeah. That's, that's not baked into anything no. in that movie. It just suddenly does it to twist and to give you something else. It, and that's but that, it means nothing, right? And that is an idea where if it was done in the correct way, it could have been a really sure. fascinating, yeah. interesting idea. But it's just it all of a sudden hits you in the face with it, and yeah. then makes you uh, <laughs> made me at least very irritated <laughs> at the last whatever hour and a half I had spent. Yeah. Well, in this, you know, with Nope, it the the reveal is this is not a ship; it's a creature. Okay, now it totally makes sense to me why our main characters have been raised as as horse wranglers. Mm -hmm. It makes total sense to me why this other main character is somebody that runs, uh, you know, an amusement park. It makes total sense to me why there's why this Gordy story. There's this Gordy story yeah. from his childhood. Mm -hmm. It suddenly the reveal makes everything else fall into place, mm -hmm. and so the reveal doesn't feel alien or disjointed or whatever. It feels like ah, that's the missing piece. That makes it all come together. Yeah, and it makes it feel like um, it's not this grand reveal, at least to me it wasn't. It was just this 
adjustment to like, oh, they got they're going to have to handle this in a different way. Yeah. They're yeah. going to have to look at this in a different way from what they were trying to do before. It's not this kind of benign thing up in the sky that they're just going to get a photograph of it. It's this thing that's going to probably interact with them in irrational, erratic, animalistic ways. Yeah. And has and it, a different level of intelligence. Yeah. Than what you would think of as as oh high intelligence or alien intelligence or or anything else, right? Yeah. Now I, long story short, man, I love this movie. Me too. It's I loved so it so good. I didn't have any expectations going in because they did such a great job at, at hiding what this was really yep. about. Mm-hmm. I, I would see the trailers and be like, how how does any of this make sense? Every element made sense more than I thought. Like even the like you know when I would see the trailers, I'm like, what is that? like monster girl under the With the, the, the face the, yeah. the disfigured face yeah and then it's like oh that was one of the her his co uh, star yeah. on this um chimpanzee <laughs> sitcom <laughs> and it's just like it makes so much sense and you I, and you come at it from this level not horror but sympathy for her mm-hmm. and it, it and it's it, it yeah it i love this movie yeah i did that was my second or third time i realized oh my gosh this poor girl at a very young age got <laughs> she, eaten by an animal. She's going to go that way. And she's finally looking yeah. semi-happy. Yeah, she's got her life going. And she gets eaten by I had that. Animal. I saw. I thought that exact same thing the second time. When it, when it clicked the second time, I laughed. And it was the most <laughs> morbid laugh. But it was just, it was so funny to me in that moment. Just like, oh, the, the irony. Yep. The yep. dark, thick irony to this. Yep. Uh, so, <laughs> our our next movie also deals with uh, an alien species. See mm-hmm. that segue there? Yeah. Uh, it is Prey. It is the one, two, three, four, fifth movie in the Predator franchise. If you don't count the Aliens vs. Predator films, it is the seventh overall. Um, and here's the plot. A skilled Comanche warrior protects her tribe from a highly evolved alien predator that hunts humans for sport fighting against wilderness. Dangerous Colonizers. I thought that's a connoisseurs. Connoisseurs. And this mysterious creature to keep her people safe. Clint, uh, you watched Prey on Hulu. What did you think of this, the fifth standalone Predator film? Um, I, I love this movie. Oh, okay. I, I thought we were going really negative there. <laughs> I, and I, you're know. Like, um. I know. I was... Subverting expectations. Oh, I see what you, I see what you yeah. did. What a reveal this is. I know. All right. Tell me about it. Um, well, I, I didn't, from the trailers, I couldn't make out how, how I was going to feel about it. Mm-hmm. I thought the premise was awesome, mm-hmm. but I was, and the director, um, who is, uh, Daniel Trachtenberg, who did the 10 Cloverfield Lane, yep. which I really liked that movie, mm-hmm. but I, I have not been a fan of like any of the Predator movies since the original mm-hmm. one. So I was like, there's no way this is going to be good. It's going to be a great premise, but not going to land it. Yeah. Yeah. Poor execution. Poor execution all around. But I was super surprised by this movie. I And this goes back to um, what I was saying about Sandman looking like Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. I love that they took such a naturalistic approach mm-hmm. to this, and it looked like almost— borderline Terrence Malicky at times mm-hmm. where it was just beautiful like prairie and like the setting of this tribe yeah. I love they took that seriously and then like intertwine the predator story and um they take such a like 
care with telling the story of this Comanche tribe mm-hmm. and the relationship between like her and her brother mm-hmm. and mother and like her just trying to be a hunter that they they really do a great job at um, just intertwining the predator elements. Mm-hmm. So when it gets to that, man, it has weight which we love to say is wait, 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 wait. And like consequence and like it mm-hmm. has stakes. And um, I was all in on this movie. Mm-hmm. What did you think? I surprisingly really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I was I was expecting to like it and yeah. had some good buzz, but I expected to ultimately be disappointed because mm-hmm. I've always wanted something to kind of match the the feel of the first movie for me. Yeah. And and this, I don't know if it if it hits that, but it it comes really close. And I I was pleasantly surprised by all of it. I I loved how practical a lot of it was. Yeah. I understand, you know, CG animals and wildlife, but But it wasn't the worst example of that. No, the bear, the bear was a little shaky, but it didn't, it honestly didn't bother me. No. What I was most impressed by is when I had watched trailers, there were hints to how many deaths there are in this movie. And I thought that was where it was going to go wrong. Because mm-hmm. oh, this is just going bigger. And it does go bigger. But it feels very natural to the story, mm-hmm. uh, even when it's wiping through all of these uh, French fur trappers. Yeah. Even that made total sense to me. I also loved how much uh, more of a kind of a feral nature me too. they brought to the Predator. He was very primal. Yes. Yeah. And and even his weaponry yeah. was, was more antiquated. Mm-hmm. I mean, still futuristic, but more antiquated than what— you know, we would know by the time you get to in the timeline, the first Predator mm-hmm. movie. And and I just liked bits like that. Uh, I like how they handled the cloaking. I like how they handled the uh, the spears and the shields and all of these different weapons. And I, I love that it just liked to get in and and kind of mix it up yeah. with whatever was strong. It, it liked to go hand-to-hand. Yeah, As opposed that's to the first I... Predator is a much more kind of long-distance yeah. foe. This is this is a get in and tussle with people. And I think that's what I liked okay. about it when I think of the predator. Like mm-hmm. I think of him as this hunter yeah. who is out there like just savagely killing things and like they did that such uh, really well to bring that element back into the story. Yeah. Um I really liked that with there's a lot of deaths in this but they don't really over like like go into it too much as far as it's not super gory. Yeah. There are moments of it, but like it's not just like heads getting lopped off every second, like blood splurting everywhere. They do really like control that. And the moments where they do like are very creative yeah. and fun and they bring new elements to the Predator like franchise. Like almost the net like thing is and, awesome. Yes. And when it does it, in front of people, it's almost like it's showing off. It wants them to run. It wants yeah. them to be scared. It wants them to fire. It wants them to, you know, uh, just get worked up. It yeah. feels very uh, like it's like it's showcasing its its top predator status that, well, that they've got nothing that's going to stop it. Right, and which kind of falls into the character predator because, like, in how they work it in this, where like the moment where they're tied up and he he won't he doesn't go after, yeah. like, prey that is, like, you know, confined or... Yeah. It, it, there's it, no sport in it. There's no sport in it. They, he wants to hunt. So, yeah, if he's showing off and getting people worked up, he's, like, yeah. giving them a reason to come after him. He's yeah. going to have more enjoyment out of the yeah. whole thing. My my only disappointment in the whole thing, and I, and I felt it throughout, and I knew it was going to be there because I knew it from the trailers, 
and it, it would never happen in a studio flick. I just, man, I wish this whole thing was subtitled. I wish there wasn't a word of English in it. Yeah. Um, they have that version. You know. Do they really? Yeah. You didn't know that? No. They they dubbed the entire thing in Comanche. Really? Yeah. And it has subtitles. That's interesting. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I started watching it, but it's the Hulu, like, hearing impaired um, version where, okay. you know, it's giving you every description. So it was irritating me the first gotcha. time. Hmm. But if you watch it again, you could just watch it without the subtitles at all because you know what the story is and just listen to it in Comanche. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, his, yeah, that was that was my only. Um, his whole plan was originally to do it all in, Coman- in Comanche, mm-hmm. like, but you know, it's like you said, it's. I, I get it. It's yeah. it's not a knock against the movie, and you know, I get the needs of the audience and all of that. Um, that was that was my my nitpick for it, but really, um, but, I I still enjoyed the characters, and I enjoyed um, kind of that feeling of even especially when she runs into the fur traders mm-hmm. these are very different cultures um that are that are dealing with this this threat in very different ways he also actually put a lot of care into making sure that it was really honoring the Comanche. Yeah. Like, like he, the whole end credit sequences is by an artist who um, does that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I can't remember what else. Like the music was done. He, he took a lot of, like, he rewrote elements to make sure that it was faithful. Um, so I really appreciate that there was that level of, um, of, I don't know, detail put into it. Yeah. Um, I I was just super surprised by it because I did I Predator, like compared to like Alien, like I don't I could kind of give a crap about Predator, <laughs> but I the level of um care that was put into this and actually wanting to tell an interesting story that involved Predator was um what really drew me in. I I think they did a great job with it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is it it also for a franchise film um it it does easter eggs and nods to the original film right. Yeah. It it does them in ways that if you've seen it it's in moments where it's like oh that's fun. Yeah. But few and far between. And if you haven't seen it it's not distracting. It's mm-hmm. not like you can feel that it's referencing something. Um and so I I thought they were tasteful in in that regard too. This this felt like it could very easily be the launch of Kind of a series of, uh, you know, back in the day. I want to see Vikings versus Predator. Man, give me Vikings, Samurai. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Give them to me. But now. I'd be okay if this is the only one. I hope they, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, at least give him another one to do. Well, and spoiler warning here, she gets a very specific pistol at the end of this thing. Uh-huh. And it's the same pistol that Danny Glover gets from a different Predator in Predator <laughs> 2. Uh-huh. So this girl's story does not end well. Oh, <laughs> somewhere, and maybe it's just one of those well, maybe things she where she loses it in a battle. Sure, uh, or maybe you know another predator is there, and she works with the predator somehow, and they have an uneasy alliance, and then she gives it the pistol, and then he gives it to Danny Glover. It's probably just a dumb nod nobody really thought through, but that pistol goes to Danny Glover in L.A. in 1996. <laughs> so something doesn't go right for. Uh, Somehow, not necessarily. That pistol makes its way back to the hands just, of a predator tribe. Yeah, the predator just got it like on the antique road show or something, <laughs> and like ended up with him. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's good. All I, right, I was I was just like super impressed by it. Actually, yeah, I, yeah, I, I was had a too. great time. I, 
I really like. I, I feel said, the trepidation in. in your voice. Like you just liked it. You're like it's no, 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 okay. No, I really liked it. I didn't love it. I really liked it. It's hard coming off of Nope. Yeah. To because I I don't want to talk about Predator in a way that suggests that I felt the same way. Oh, I the definitely the same kind of enthusiasm for this that I felt for Nope. I definitely don't feel that yeah. when I say I loved it. But mm. I, as far as Predator movies, yeah. I this is probably my favorite Predator movie. So the sequels, or did you think it was better than the original? I mean, I think it was up there with the original. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at. I still think Rainy Day. I would I would pop out the original. I, I really um, I would probably. But so. that's for the whole movie. This one was a lot of fun. Yeah. So no, don't don't put words in my mouth and thoughts <laughs> in my heart. No, I'm just trying to gather what you're feeling here. Right. Well, you're about to gather what I'm feeling. Our third movie. <laughs> Is Prisoners of the Ghost Land, starring our buddy Nick Cage in the treacherous frontier city of Samurai Town. A ruthless bank robber gets sprung from jail by a wealthy warlord whose adopted granddaughter has gone missing. He offers the prisoner his freedom in exchange for retrieving the runaway, strapped into a leather suit that will self-destruct in five days. The bandit sets off on a journey to find the young woman and his own path to redemption. Clint, I hated this movie. Oh, <laughs> you've been holding. You've been holding on to that like this whole time. Yeah, like I've asked you last time, like, and you're I, like, I'm not saying that. And I'll tell you why here in a bit after I hear probably that you loved it. I not only hated this, I I loathed really <laughs> almost every minute of this movie. It it made me want to give up movies forever. Huh. It really, it really offended. My cinematic core, and I, I just, ugh. Hmm. Clint, what'd you think of uh, uh, the Ghost Lounge Heroes here? <laughs> I, um, of course, I, you did. That's, I didn't hate this movie. Of course, you didn't. I, but I didn't love this movie. But there was a lot of elements I actually re- liked. I liked the world of it. Yeah. I thought there was a lot of really fun elements. Um. <laughs> for no reason, there's samurais and cowboys. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, but it's always fun seeing Nick Cage ham it up. Like, he's really— Did you feel like he was hamming it up? At, at moments. I felt like he was kind of bored. For a lot of it, yeah, probably. Okay. There's moments where he, like, unleashed, yeah. and he's, like, yelling about his testicle getting blown off and stuff, and that's pretty funny. I just figured there was an actual production accident, and they kept the cameras rolling. <laughs> he's flipping out and having a real moment, and the director's just like, keep it going. That felt a little too real. Um, so there's world stuff I liked. Yeah. I don't think it was a good movie <laughs> as far as like story-wise. It, like it had a good setup as far as, okay, you have five days. Let You got to go on the road and find this girl. That's what the story should have been. Yeah. The story should have been him on the road encountering Weird world weirdos, stuff. weird yep. world. And he's got to make it to this girl. And he like makes it back just in the nick of the time. Yeah. And then they have that big battle. I think that last battle scene was actually pretty good. The samurai and cowboy fight was pretty fun. Um, actually, like the sword play was pretty actually well accomplished, I thought. It wasn't, but go on. Yeah, it was. Compared to some stuff. <laughs> I'm so mad at this movie. Compared to some stuff, that was pretty well done. Okay. So I think that's what the story should have been. It should have been way more streamlined. I think the direction it goes is not that interesting. But uh, world-wise, I thought it was kind of fun. I That's all. This movie so wants to be Fury Road. 
With, no, it's yeah, it too does. goofy. It, it wants to it be wants to be Fury Road with samurai and cowboys. No, it's too goofy to be that. It wants to be. I had it on uh, in my mind earlier what it wanted to be. Um, well, uh, what was it? The what was the good, the bad, and the weird. Mm-hmm. It wanted to be that. Okay, I, I can see that. But that is, it's not good, bad, and weird. Hmm. I don't remember if I liked that or not. I remember. I really liked it. that movie. Maybe I did then. Yeah, I don't know. it's way bigger and. Um, even kookier in some ways, but it accomplishes it m- much yeah. that, uh, more this, expertly. This felt very small to me. It yeah. felt small in idea, small in, in conception and execution. And it just, it felt too small everywhere except uh, the filmmaker's imaginations. But like, I feel like some of the sets felt big. Like, I feel like the town felt pretty big. Yeah. And I felt like when they go to, like, that clock tower thing, like, it's like if they actually built that, that was a pretty impressive set. Um, so there's elements of it that I think worked. I, one I do element, appreciate it was really practical. I'm glad there wasn't a ton of CG. But Yeah, the one element, that, not of this movie, but just of the director that does not work for me, mm-hmm. is that he's been majorly me too Really? Like by many of his like leading lady co-stars. Oh, and so that puts a bad taste in my mouth for this whole movie. Okay, but I didn't it, know that. I Well, I was looking this up just to get names, and then I see... Oh, he's okay. He's he's not great. I would love to know Nicolas Cage's thought process yeah. when he reads a script. Yeah. I, I would love to be there when he's picking out a script. I and feel just like quiz him on like what was it about this that really grabbed. Sometimes him? I feel like it's not really a script that's given to him first. Maybe a check slid across <laughs> the table, and he's like, "That'll work." Yeah. Sometimes I think I like, know. but then like he's been doing some recent cool stuff like Pig and yeah, um, that other one we watched where he was. Yeah. It was okay. He seems like the kind of person that, man, if you go in there with some good concept art, he'll sign yeah. wherever you want him to. Yeah, they probably, um, like, they showed him the suit. Yeah. He's like, yeah. they got lights on my testicles, I'm all in. I mean, he very clearly loves weird. Yeah. And if it's weird, and I think it's just, I, I think he's one of those actors who gets bored very easily. And so he likes things that give him something to play with or mm-hmm. something different to do or... um I mean, there's there's a level of typecasting to Nicolas Cage, but at the same time, he's one of those actors that you can never really typecast because he'll, you know, to go from this to Pig is a huge jump Yeah, uh, in, in a completely different world. Well, I think this director is kind of renowned, like, in his in his world of what he's done, like he, they're pretty well received. Like they're, they're big, they're weird movies like this. So he has a following. Um, I ha, I don't believe I've seen anything else. So maybe that played into it that he wanted to work with this director. He was interested in his other films. Cyan Sono. Yeah. He's a Japanese director, writer, and poet. IMDb tells me. Oh. I have, I saw Suicide Club. I remember that. I don't remember anything about it, but I remember watching it. Mm. A lot of his other movies I have not seen. They're not ringing any bells. I um, but they all have delightfully weird posters. Yeah, I think Nick Cage. I wonder if he has in his like contract or like his rider or whatever you would want to call it that he has to have a scene where he flips out. I would think so. I believe like every single one, other than like Pig, doesn't um, that there's a scene where he's just yelling. Something very loud all of a sudden. Well, and maybe every scene of every Nicolas Cage movie ever has a yell take. 
Maybe that's what his rider is. Just like every scene. You don't have to use it. You don't have to use it. But, but you give have, me yeah. one bonkers take of this. Yeah. And they just always, like and, maybe there's more, many yeah, more. Yeah. And those are just the ones that worked. Yeah. I yeah. feel like he's going to die. He's going to be cremated. There's going to be a giant marble statue of him standing there with his out, arms outstretched. And on the chest is going to be this, this television screen <laughs> that's just showing outtakes of crazy scenes or crazy takes from movies that you're familiar with. Yeah. But these are the takes that you've never seen. And it's just it's just the Nicolas Cage is dead bonkers reel. I don't know what you would call it, but just. I think you nailed it. Full lunacy yeah. on display for all time. Uh, you know, go put a flower on his grave and watch him. Just wow, that that could have been a different movie. I don't know. I like Nicolas Cage. Uh, the one thing I I did like about this movie is I at least appreciated that it it wanted to be different. And so at no point did I feel like it was trying to uh, give me ordinary or just bank on the fact that it had Nick Cage. Yeah, um, it had some some big ideas, and uh, you know, run for that. I think maybe run for those big ideas instead of for. Um, women on your set, uh, you know, a little right. more control of yourself yeah. there. Let's work on your poetry some more. Yeah. And yeah. not, yeah. Not don't, fondling. Don't. Oh, <laughs> you started this podcast with fondling, you're ending this podcast with fondling. It's full circle. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> my last thought on this, okay. that it, it felt like a little bit better version of Psycho Goreman. Like you know that like and, and see, I responded yeah. to Psycho Gorman better than you did. Yeah. Um, hmm, this is probably how you felt watching that movie. Yeah, I understand now. Oh, okay, we've come closer, Clint. <laughs> I see it. I see it now. We're holding hands. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know that was last week when we were laying on the floor. Yeah. Uh, trying to record a podcast. I feel so much better this week. That's good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm happy. You're to upright sit in a chair. Yeah. yeah. All right. So a nope. 100% go check this thing out. Watch it while it's in the theater. I, that's one thing we didn't mention. It's a movie that deserves to be watched big that, and loud. That's something about Prey. I desperately yes. wish I could have seen uh, that in the oh, theater. I so agree with you on that. You're you're totally right. I hadn't thought of it. I hope that they eventually, really right. eventually somehow they actually put it in the theater. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Prey, uh, surprisingly, definitely one to check out. It is not... Your your average mom and pop franchise sequel. It actually has uh, it's it's got meat to it. It's can, it's. Can you say stuff. you liked it better than the last one? The it was the Shane Black one. Oh my goodness! <laughs> the one you like ranted for like two years about. <laughs> this least, is multiple times on this podcast. This is quite the franchise redemption. <laughs> yeah, I was. I if if I never saw anything Predator related again, I'd I'd go to my grave fine. But you're right. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I haven't checked the budgets, but I bet you this was Less, infinitely cheaper. Probably. Than that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Nope is great. Uh, Predator <laughs> is great. And then uh, Ghosts of Pirate Land, Pirates of the Kara Ghost Land, or whatever this thing <laughs> is called. Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Unnecessary the... It's on Shutter if you're interested. If you're interested. Um you know, because Clint's always right about movies. Uh, go and watch this thing and then send me your, your angry messages about Thor. <laughs> hey, it's um, better than Thor. I, <laughs> Clint. No. Uh, but no, it's, it's uh, I guess, to take it or leave it. You'll love it or hate it or it's mildly enjoy it or overly hate it. I don't know. Go watch Nope. Watch Prey. 
Uh, I think it's time for Sinatron to give us another fun week of up and down. that I've been meaning to watch for a long time okay. and I, I can't remember what year it's from. You may have watched this, but okay. maybe you'll revisit it with me. Okay. The Death of Stalin. Oh, uh, from um, Ian yeah. Ritchie or, mm-hmm. or whatever. I actually just recently watched this maybe two months ago. Really? Oh. First time I had seen it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I've been meaning to watch it. I've been a big fan of his awesome. other stuff. So yeah. you're comp- not... Not about this film. You're going to be really excited because it was just announced today that his next project, uh-huh. they are working on a superhero franchise film. Uh-huh. But it's about a superhero franchise entry, like the making of. Oh, okay. And so it's, from what I could understand, it's sort of his take on what happens behind the scenes <laughs> of making a enormous $200 million superhero franchise movie. Oh, Okay. And I cannot wait. Uh, I think you're going to love it yeah. because it's going to tear apart mm-hmm. franchise movie making. And I think I'm going to love it because it's it's going to do the same. So uh, I think that will be really fun. I have no idea when it even comes out. That's I just, exciting. Just read an article about that. Did you did you ever watch? It was it Avenue? Uh, yes, seven, oh, man. Yeah. Were they going to ever do another season of that? I don't know. Oh, it, man, I I've never show. read that it was canceled, but yeah. it was so much fun. Yeah, and definitely leaves off where just give me a, a movie. I know. Uh, if if you need to wrap it up, you know, I'd rather have a season, but I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that one was a lot of fun. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I also can't remember what year it was from, but it it's. It's like, been a minute since it came out. Was it 2019 or 18? Oh, it was, it was a lot. It was it was far before that because it was it's an older film than uh, In the Loop. Um, I don't think so. Oh, sounds like we got a Cinebabble debate, <laughs> which is going to go really quickly because you're just going to look it up on IMDb while yeah. I'm rambling away. 2017. Really? Yeah. When did In the Loop come out? Like 2007 or something? Like You're supposed to run to your phone and figure it out, Clint. <laughs> I would at least try to take an educated guess to see if I'm uh, close. Wow. I, I really thought, okay, well, I guess it hasn't been as long that, that I've missed out on it. I really thought when I watched it, I was finally getting to something that, that's been around for, for quite a while. I guess not. Mm-hmm. Well, that would be a fun one. Uh, so while Clint is Googling, uh, you can find us at www.cinebabblecast.com or at Cinebabble on Instagram. Uh, you can send us a message at either. Always happy to get your feedback and your questions. We like to have fun with those. Just, uh, you know, hot tip, always make your your questions something interesting, not just a top three this or top five that. Give us something to play with and uh, and we'll we'll definitely answer it. He did work on a project at some in um, ninety eight called Clinton. His struggle with dirt. 
<laughs> is this a finished film? It's I don't know what it is. I'm just going through his. I guarantee it's findable on YouTube. I want to watch this thing. Clinton, his struggle with dirt. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I don't know when the movie came it's out. It's a great title. Yeah. Great title. We're going to watch to put that on the Cinetron wheel. Love it. Love it. All about it. All right. So uh, don't go another week without not seeing Nope. Man. Nope. Nope. Please. I, it's great. I bet you I'll end up there again. I'll, well, let me know. I want to so, see it again. Okay. I was talking to John about it because uh, he wants to see it and he's just behind. He hasn't. I don't think he's seen it yet. But I was like, oh, text me after you're done with this thing because mm. <laughs> that's it. That's show over. <laughs> I meant that's it about my my lingering thoughts on nope that I keep going back to. <laughs> Wasn't trying to. It just sounded like abruptly <laughs> we're show. done. I got nothing left. All right. This has been <laughs> Cinebabble episode 59. Thanks, as always, for listening. I appreciate you guys. Uh, find somebody who hasn't heard us. Uh, drop the podcast in their lap, uh, metaphorically, and uh, get them to listen. Yeah. And, Ken, I, I've been thinking of, I would like, we need to do a sit-down. I would like to think of, like, brainstorm some new, like, um, elements to this show. Yes. Like, so if anybody has ideas for segments or anything, like, let's come up with some new segments. Crazier the better, because uh, he may not say it, but Clint loves to play with audio and sound yeah. effects and music. And uh, half the time when when he has done that, it's not like I sit around and, and I get to plan that at all. We'll record something just fun. And then what Clint comes back with is just gold. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we need to, need to do another episode of that, uh, ha- like alternate Extended ending. cuts. Yeah, the alternate yeah. ending thing. That was we, fun. Why don't we do movie twists? That never made it to the screen. We just oh. talked about twists and reveals. That's a good idea. I think we do movie twists that never made it. Okay. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I like we should it. do that next time. Man, we're already on a roll Show with this. As ball. creative sparks. Yeah. Show wasn't over. Right? Right. <sighs> we almost left out the best part. Man. All right. Well, this has been Cinebabble episode 59. Thanks as always for listening. You guys have yourself a good day. See you, Ken. See you, Clint. See you, Clint.